What's going on, everybody? Happy Wednesday. Welcome into Fantasy Hockey Picks and Bets presented by Prize Picks. I'm your host, Chris Meany. Thanks, as always, for taking the time to hang out here on the Mayo Media Network. Please like, rate, review, subscribe to this show. Appreciate all the support. Leave a comment in the YouTube section. I will circle back. Maybe it's a fantasy season-long question that you have, a pick, or just a comment in general. I will be there to touch base before puck drop tonight. Seven games in the NHL. I got a fantastic guest hanging by. If you are looking to play prize picks, check out the link in the description. Get a deposit match of up to $100 by following the link in this video and check out prizepicks.com. Let's bring in one of my favorite guests of all time. We had him on the show a couple weeks ago. So thankful to have him back here today. It is Pete Jensen at NHL Jensen. He is the senior fantasy editor over at NHL Network and the co-host of a fantastic hockey podcast. you got to check this out. NHL Fantasy on Ice podcast. Subscribe to that podcast on your favorite listening apps. Three days per week. Pete Jensen. What's up, man? What's up, Chris? Great to be on with you. Thanks for plugging the show. If you play fantasy, if you do sports betting, if you play DFS, I think by now you should be listening to both of our shows and, <laughs> and then formulating your opinions and your decision making right after listening to both of those shows for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. You're three days a week for yeah, for usually Monday, out. Wednesday, Friday. Um, and yeah, we cover all those different things and have some guests on for sure in the industry. We, we'd love to have you on uh, in the future for sure. Let's, let's make it happen, man. Uh, now uh, I've been on twice and, and we got to return the favor. So let's do it soon. <laughs> All good, brother. All good. Um, yeah. Looking at just the most added players and drops, you know, from a seasonal, you're a big seasonal guy and that's what you guys will talk about. I'm sure today. So I'm just taking a look at Yahoo just on the spot here. I mean, we're only a couple hours into Wednesday, the most added player, Rasmus Anderson, Matt Zuccarello, which I'm sure we'll get into in this show. We've been talking about him a lot, Pete, over the past couple episodes. Christian Dvorak and Radko Gudis. I suppose those people playing in banger leagues. His last game, six hits and six shots. The Panthers are in net or on the, the slate today. And then Nino Niederreiter in there as well. Dustin Brown, turning back the clock. He's having a great season. The most dropped, Michael Delzato. He is hurt. Not going to... Um, I, I don't know how long he's out. He's considered day-to-day right now. I know he's getting a lot of ice time there with Wierenski, um, you know, in and out of the lineup. Call Paul Mary. I don't know why people are dropping Paul Mary. I mean, patience. Come on. This guy's been, he's been killing it over the past couple of games. Thomas Tatar. I understand that one. Yes, he Puliarvi. And then Brian Russ. Brian Russ has a couple dead games, Pete, and then everyone wants to drop him. But uh, what do you think of those names that I just brought up to you? Yeah, it's funny. Brian Russ, a couple of, I'm not sure if he still is, but a couple of days ago I checked, he was leading the Penguins and scoring uh, ahead of Malkin and Crosby. So it's amazing how quickly things change. You mentioned Niederreiter. I'm keying in on these Hurricanes because I was really high on them entering the season, and there are so many players up for grabs. Now uh, Tara Vinen has a concussion, it sounds like, so he's going to be out uh, for at least this road trip coming up. So you see Brock McGinn's value, you know, take an uptick. Of course, Martin Nietzsche has been amazing. I was touting him earlier in the week uh, and actually covering some really nice categories. Jake Bean, I like as well from the Hurricanes. If you're looking for a defenseman who's like 
uh, rostered in fewer than 5% of Yahoo leagues. So, I mean, those Hurricanes are so deep. They had 10 players in our top 200 rankings this week, and that was not including Bean and Nietzsche's or Nedeljkovic, who had a shutout over the weekend. So just like crazy depth. And they got uh, Peter Morazic hopefully coming back in the near future from his injury. So, yeah, I have the uh, Hurricanes in the cup final against the Avalanche at the beginning of the season. And I'm loving what I'm seeing fantasy-wise from that team in terms of offensive potency and also depth, more importantly, for waiver wire purposes. Yeah, they are, man, they're fun to watch. I believe we talked about them at the start with Eric Young as a, you know, a future bet to win the division. They were plus 340. I Last time I checked, you can still get them to win the cup. I'm just trying to find this here on the fly. Uh, I think they're 10 to 1. Uh, to, to win the Stanley Cup. I, I think that's a pretty good bet, man. Uh, I love the depth in this team. You just mentioned it. They're in action today against Tampa Bay. You got the Bolts at home. This is the third straight meeting between these two teams. They'll play again tomorrow. You mentioned James Reimer. He is just racking up the Ws right now. I, 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 was, I was definitely wrong in this game last time. I thought that Carolina would just continue to roll, and then it's like, oh, man. When I before puck drop, Pete, I started hearing, you know, rumblings of Tampa Bay players saying, oh, wow, everybody just keeps talking about Carolina. This is Carolina's division. It's Carolina's new flashy team. They're going to win the cup. They're going to get it done. Is, ever, is anybody, everybody forgetting about me, <laughs> right? As in the Bolts, yeah. the defending Stanley <laughs> Cup champions. And they showed up and they really took it to the Hurricanes, especially in the first period. But that was a very competitive game. Again, very even. It was 4 nothing in the first matchup, as you mentioned, Nedeljkovic with the shutout. Then James Reimer gets the start uh, in the second game, and it was a 4-2 game. So we have Tampa at home here, minus 137, 11-4-1 on the year. And then Carolina, plus 118 on the road, 12-4-1 on the year. Pete, you mentioned Natchez in that line with Niederreiter and Trocek. I was looking at the 5-on-5 numbers, according to Natural Statric, just for the first two games. And, I mean, Carolina, like you said, so much depth, rolling all four lines. It's the four lines in both games that they rolled. There was really no line juggling there in either of those games. And the Trocheck line was awesome. I mean, 16 shot attempts. They led all lines in that first meeting. 16 shot attempts, 10 shots for 12 scoring chances, five high danger chances. And then in the second game, much of the same, right? 10 shots for six scoring chances, four high danger chances. The Bolts made a change in game two. Still, you know, missing Anthony Sorelli. Of course, Kucherov's not going to come back anytime soon. As you know, they have a lot of quote-unquote centers that can play wing, right? Samko's been playing the wing. They moved him back to center. They played him with uh, Matthew Joseph and Tyler Johnson. And that line really got owned a lot. I know Stamkos had a goal, but... Overall, they had zero high danger chances, Pete, three against. Um, they had six shots against, six scoring chances against, and just two scoring chances for. But it was the Platt, Point, and Coleman line that really looked good. I think if anybody's playing DFS, everyone's looking for shot props, I would get involved with Coleman. I know he's not going to be on every book, but that line, I mean, he had six shots alone, but that line really generated a whole lot. I mean, 10 scoring chances, three high danger, 12 shot attempts as well. It's going to be a fun game, man. They're both teams are in the top six in goals, four per 60 minutes at five on five. I know we were leaning the over Matty best, right? We, we brought it up. We were leaning the over in that game. There were only six goals. We got to the number, but it's hard to go against this hurricanes team right now. I think that they bounce back Pete. Yeah, and I mean, the thing with Tampa Bay is they're very rarely going to lose consecutive games yeah. in general, but to the same team, that was, I think, the trend that 
hit home uh, for the last game. I mean, just I don't see that team, even without Sorelli. I think we've seen Sorelli. Uh, we've seen how valuable he is when when he's taken away. You mentioned they're 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 uh, rejuggling their lines and they're playing guys at different positions. That's that shows the importance of a player. If your whole lineup goes crazy, um, you know, in terms of being changed around the second the guy's out of the lineup. So hopefully they get Sorelli back soon. Um, definitely interesting that they're going to be playing a back to back here. Um, we'll see if Nadelkovich gets one of the games. He probably will. Uh, we'll see if Tampa Bay moves away from Vasilevsky in one of the games. They probably won't, but we'll see um, <laughs> if they, uh, you know, if they roll McElhenney and, and what happens there. But yeah, I think that Carolina, this is a great chance for them to, I mean, they're going to probably split these two games again, right? Like we just saw it happen in the Colorado Vegas series, split the four games to a piece. Um, some were shutout fashion for flurry. Some were, you know, you know, a little bit more exciting offensively. So I think that like, I think this game on Wednesday will, will be high scoring. I think that Carolina definitely has the edge and, but it's definitely like a watch game. It's going to be the game of the day today. And it's going to be the game of the day tomorrow. That's just, they're the two best teams in my opinion in central division and uh, I'm excited for the prospect of them playing a seven-game series uh, a couple of months from now, same as I'm looking forward to with Colorado and Vegas. Yeah, those four teams are, are just phenomenal. I, I look for the offense to continue from the Trocheck line. I know it's any line can really kind of come at you here with Carolina, but that's that's where I'm looking to see the offense. You know, speaking of offense, as we move over to Florida and Dallas, uh, wow, the Panthers, Pete, are the Panthers legit? They look legit. I think they're legit when Chris Dreger is uh, starting, right? <laughs> starting tonight. The guy's been amazing. And, and his, anytime he's gotten action in his career, most notably over the past two seasons, and he's got like close to a 930 save percentage in, in his NHL career uh, through what, like around 30 games. So that that's incredible. So yeah. And he is like the one a goalie for sure. I mean, if it wasn't Florida being tied down financially to the Bobrovsky contract, he'd probably be the clear starter at this point. And he might still end up being the clear starter. Um, it's going to be really interesting a uh, year from now when, when Spencer Knight maybe comes into the mix and then you're talking about maybe two goalies on the roster being better than Bobrovsky. But for now it's uh, definitely Dreger is, uh, has been one of the fantasy studs of the early going in the season and, uh, what Florida has done breaking up Barkov and Huberto and just, you know, getting a lot out of their value players like Wenberg and, uh, you know, obviously Patrick Hornquist has made a night and day difference for that team. He's brought like a championship element to that team. It seems like they already had it uh, with Quenville, but it didn't quite translate to the roster itself. But I think we're seeing like the net front presence, the his ability to play on the separate line with Huberto and then, uh, yeah, Barkov's doing his thing on the other line uh, as the one-man show and making the players around him better and Verhage and Duclair. So uh, couldn't have expected much more from the Panthers. And it's just funny, right, Chris? Like all the years we were hyped up about that team and they ended up being a dud. It was the one year that they, of course, took a step back, went the value route, took everybody by surprise, and now all of a sudden they look stronger than ever. Yeah, they really do. I was thinking to myself, ah, man, you're losing Hoffman. You're losing Dadenoff. I like Duclair as a player. Verhage, okay, all right, hot start in the top six. But 
I think you're dead on with Hornquist. Like this guy has been an absolute stud. They own Dallas in that first meeting. The shots overall were 52 to 25 at five on five. They were 37 to 21. You mentioned Wenberg and Hornquist and Huberto. They had 11 shots for all four lines just rolling. And I look at this Dallas stars team, you know, they were out of the gate. We waited for them to play for a little bit. They came out really strong. They've been, you know, they dealt with COVID at the first few first few weeks of the season, and then they had all their games postponed last week due to weather. They had nine different line combinations at five on five against Florida. Jamie Ben played with three different centers, and he played center himself. So he was with four on four different lines. I don't know. Are you telling people to be patient with this Dallas team? Like they're eventually going to make up the games. I know Joe Pavelski has been talked in the fantasy community as a sell high candidate, but what about guys like Gary Onoff and Ben and Hintz? Like, I know you're not dropping Ben, but are you being patient with some of these Dallas players? Like eventually kind of going to turn it around and play a few more games. Yeah, I'm definitely being patient with Gary Onoff, definitely with Haskinen uh, to an extent with Rupe Hintz. I actually, crazy enough, in a league that does not count um, hits, I dropped Jamie Ben for Sam Girard yesterday. I can see. So it, that's yeah. like, and, and we've seen a gradual decline in the regular season for Jamie Ben for a few years. But like when you look at a defenseman, I needed a fourth defenseman. I see Sam Girard, and the guy has close to the numbers of Kale McCarr this season. He's got like 10 points in 13 games, I believe. So. I had to do that. I had to get Gerard as my fourth defenseman and between, you know, the games missed and some of the inconsistencies lately for Dallas and just a player in the, in the older side for Jamie Van. I, I hated to do that, but I had to make the move crazy enough, but in that league, I actually still have Gurianov. So I had to choose between the ceiling and the upside and kind of the tried and true guy in Ben for category coverage. But again, it comes down to your league format. So yeah, to answer your question, I would definitely be more patient with the younger blood on that team. Haskinen, Rupe Hintz, Gurianov. Also player to watch, Jason Robertson's been really good uh, for it's uh, Nick Robertson's brother. And he's been really good for, uh, for Dallas. And he's kind of taken on that role on the line with Hintz and Gurianov in the absence of Alexander Radulov, which sounded like it might be a day-to-day thing when it first happened, but now it's been over a week here that Radulov's been out. Yeah, and, and that's another thing. I, I just keep getting Ben questions. Like one of my buddies texted me the other night. He's like, Jamie Ben has played nine games. He's crushing me right now. What do I do? It's like, uh, you know, if you're in a pinch and you know, you know, the season is so short. If you're playing head to head leagues, we're already basically halfway there until playoff time. If you're off to a 0 and 4 or 0 and 5 start or 1 and 4, you got to make some moves, right? You can't afford to just have a one game week from Jamie Ben. I get it. I understand the move completely. Yeah. Dreger's getting the start tonight. He's seven, one and one with a nine two nine save percentage. His ownership in Yahoo leagues is 61%. Burboski's 66%. I don't know if I'd hang on to Burboski at this point. <laughs> I think if you're in a pinch, you need to make, the, I'd definitely make the swap between the two. It definitely does. Like you said, one a or one B, whatever it is. Like if these guys are going to go split game for game. And right now they're riding Dreger. So I, yeah, Florida looks, they look legit. They look great. I think if you're looking for goals, you attack that Trocheck um, or the Huberto line, rather. Hornquist is uh, shot prop two and a half minus 167. I like that. He's been at least three in six of eight. He put seven pucks on net the last game. 
against the Dallas Stars. Toronto Maple Leafs in here next, minus 148. Pete, I gave the Leafs, and then um, hour after the show, I found out Anderson was hurt, Thornton was hurt again, Jake Muzzin wasn't going to play. Uh oh. Calgary's in Toronto again, plus 128. Calgary, 9 9 and 1. This is a Flames team that I just, I feel like a little underwhelming so far to start the season. They've had closed door meetings, coaches calling them out, wondering where the offense is. Leafs are 14, four and two. They're rolling. They're good. They're real good. Maddie best. Let's bring in the Leafs resident here. Are we getting Anderson back in net tonight? Are we worried about Muzzin this day to day? What's, what's the deal here with these Toronto guys? I don't think you're going to see Freddie tonight. If the Leafs are semi smart, I don't think you'll see Muzzin because his face is all messed up. Um, yeah. As soon as the show ended and all these guys were out, I was like, uh Oh, we, we should probably quickly got off the leash. Yeah, I immediately took them out of everything I had them in. I had them as one of my locks to win, just completely yanked them out. Um, I don't want to be a chicken with this game and completely stay away from it, but I kind of do because this team plays incredibly different when a goalie not named Frederick Anderson's in net and the impact that Jake Muzzin has on this blue line. I mean, he quietly just is such a stable presence there for them and without him they kind of looked like they were in shambles I mean the Travis Dermott Justin Hall line didn't look great at all Dermott doesn't look good this season period Mikko Letton and Zach Bogosian I don't mind that line but Zach Bogosian handles the puck like I handle the puck after a few beers so I just it's kind of concerning when they're giving him more minutes but on the offensive side, the John Tavares experiment with Matthews and Marner on the first line, people thought it would be fantastic in a fantasy gold mine. Kind of wrong there. It's just, I, I like Kerfoot with Tavares and Nylander. I think Tavares and Nylander still have time to figure it out, and that's the luxury that the Toronto Maple Leafs have when Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner can carry the team almost every single night, minus when they get shut out, but that's just due to the injuries that this team has right now. But right now, I mean, until you guys say something and give me your two cents, I feel like I'm going to stay away from this uh, uh, game on a betting edge. Yeah, I I quickly told all the FTN subs as well, like, guys, uh, this is probably not good. Muzzin has been great, eats a lot of minutes, blocks a lot of shots. He's he's so key to, uh, on that blue line. And then Frederick Anderson, Pete, I feel like, I don't know. People are really hard on Frederick Anderson. I, I, when when the Leafs lose, it just seems to be Anderson's fault. But this guy is, man, he's he's an, in my opinion, he's an underrated goal. You and I have had this conversation so many times. Remember, he was with the Ducks. We we're talking about him and Gibson and Gibson, obviously, so good, but Anderson was a beast with the Ducks, and I didn't think he got any credit. Touch on the Leafs tonight, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on the Flames. They need to get going. Yeah, they do. Um, so Markstrom's day to day. We'll see if he plays because you know they went uh, Riddick the last game, and you know that was a surprise. That was a surprise. Even with Toronto's injury losses, I was still surprised by that result mm-hmm. uh, for sure. The Flames got Monahan back. He had a multi-point game. That that was a key thing. They need their top guys going. I mean, I think we saw. I think in a game like with uh, some absences for Toronto, like that's where like Matthew Kachuk could really take over for them. So that's one guy I'd be really keyed in on for this game for Calgary. Uh, back to Freddie Anderson, super underrated, gets a bad rap. Um, you know, nine sixteen save percentage in his career. That's tough to do, especially, uh, you know, he's gone from multiple teams. He's had some ups and downs, especially recent years. He's had some, uh, defensive, uh, you know, lack thereof in front of him in Toronto. Um, you guys were even mentioning two of their defense pairs, uh, 
not looking too good right now uh, based on name value for Toronto uh, in the absence of Muzzin. But yeah, Freddie Anderson, uh, you hope he comes back soon because that team really needs him. He's actually, you know, he might be their, what, their second or third most valuable player on the team. For sure. You know, so that's really how important he is to them moving forward if they're hoping to finally break through in the playoffs. But yeah, back to the game. I think, uh, you know, it's definitely like a, a strange one with all the injury absences. Another one was Zach Hyman, that's uh, right. who you thought maybe who could, fill in if uh you know if Thornton was out because he was playing so well before Thornton came back but he was out too uh, so definitely a game to proceed with caution watch the injury news see who's coming back and then maybe start to form a decision from there if not just take a pass and watch the game and uh if you're a Calgary fan uh you got to hope for some consistency because they've fallen out of the playoff mix right now yeah, they have. They Like I said, I think they, they need to get going. I, I believe you and I chatted the last time you were on here about the Jets. We like the Jets to get into the playoffs. The Oilers are rolling right now, too. The Habs have taken a, a bit of a step back. So it's an opportunity for Calgary maybe to get in there and, and start to get going. I was surprised, too. We had big save Dave. He hit the shutout. It was good. Um, it looks like he's going to go tonight. You're right. Keep an eye on the situation. It's the first of a back-to-back for the Flames. I think if it was Riddick and Hutchinson, I would lean maybe potentially with the over, but uh, it's probably a game I'm going to stay away from. You mentioned Kachuk. Kachuk is uh, he's on my board tonight for the shot props. Two and a half, 19 shots in three games against the Leafs. He had seven in the first meeting or just earlier. Uh, just the other day, rather. He had uh, nine in the first meeting, I think. He's been shooting the puck a ton. Seven straight games, at least three shots on goal for Matthew Kachuk. Let's move over to the Flyers and the Rangers. Philly, home favorites here, minus 122. The the New York Rangers, plus 106. 11-5 against the spread. The total is 5.5. Philly, 8-4-3, and 6-7-3 for the Rangers. New York obviously going through some things. Uh, Panarin going to be away from the team right now. They are thin on the blue line. Uh, I know people are all over Jacob Truba as a defenseman in the contract, whatever. I mean, he's still a very capable defenseman. You take him away and all of a sudden you're, you're a bit thin there. No D'Angelo, of course. So they are, in my opinion, super thin on the blue line. And they're not getting any offense, right? Mika Zibinijad has two goals. Two goals? What? He's got a 4.3 shooting percentage ridiculous he had 41 goals in 57 games last year he had 30 and 82 the year before that he had 27 in 72 games in 2017 and 18 with the rangers i've been telling people pete to buy low on mika zabinajad i still feel like you should buy low if you're a zabinajad owner i wouldn't just give him away you're not getting proper value but man it's tough to own zabinajad these days it is. And if you take away that empty net goal that he scored right. in the win against the Capitals over the weekend, I was looking at his shooting percentages like 2.2, 1 for 46, wow. other than that goal and that shot on the empty net. So, yeah, with Panarin out, at least for this game, we'll see how long the situation plays out. And we don't really, you know, there's not much else to say other than that he's on yeah. a leave of absence. And the situation is going to unfold in some way in the next couple of days and weeks. You know, I mean, I think like Zibanejad, if he's playing on that trademark top line with, with Kreider and Buchnevich, Buchnevich has been good. He's their second leading scorer this year with 12 and 16 games. So, and they have chemistry from the past. They play together a lot. So 
you know, those are the guys that are going to benefit and lend the helping hand in getting Zibanejad back on track. Um, if it ends up being Lafreniere on the, on the top line, there's some DFS value there for sure. I feel like he's just turned into an afterthought this year in non-keeper leagues and DFS, but, you know, there may be some upside there. Uh, Ke'Andre Miller's back uh, from his injury. That's a guy who's playing 20-plus minutes a game every night when he's in the lineup and provides maybe a touch of scoring appeal uh, just because the Flyers are kind of, you know, they might be starting Elliott. I guess Elliott was a little banged up, but he might play because Carter Hart's been so bad, and maybe Claude Giroux's going to come back. It seems like he was taken off the COVID protocol list uh, so he could rejoin them. Flyers haven't played a lot lately, but um, – and they do have some scoring pop. Like JVR is playing amazing. Couturier is playing amazing. Yeah. Uh, Farabee has big game, boom or bust potential. So a lot of offense for the Flyers, for sure. I could see it getting to be a higher scoring game, even though the Rangers have not played that way to this point in the season. I, I think that's kind of like a sneaky, uh, sneaky storyline here for this game. Yeah, I would agree. And Sean Couturier has been cheap in, you know, whatever DFS site that you do play, because I think he was, I mean, he's been out of the lineup and then the Flyers with the COVID and all the postponed games, and he's only played a handful of games, but he's played three since he's returned to the lineup and he has three goals and six points. And you know, he, I mean, he logs a lot of ice time. He played nearly 24 minutes the other night against the Rangers on February 18th. It was a 3-2 New York win. I agree. I think there's going to be some offense here. And I think, you know, a lot of the players across the board are cheap. You know, JVR's prices jumped up, but Farabee, you mentioned, uh, Giroux has been a value basically all year. I know he's a pass first guy, but he's still you know, you can put up points. There's, there's no question. And if you want to get contrarian, you know, with Kreider or maybe Buchnevich or Mika Zibanejad, it's, it's a, it's a route to go. Uh, Faraby is 13 to one for first goal. He's, he's kind of the one I like. I like that top line in, in Philly, Colorado, Minnesota in here next, the abs heavy favorites at home, Minnesota plus plus one sixty. Uh, road dogs nine and six on the year, Colorado nine, five and one. That was so fun to watch Colorado and Vegas go at each other four times in a row. It was, it was awesome hockey. It was great. This Minnesota team, Pete, we've been talking about them for just, um, you know, the past couple episodes, Matt Stuccarello is just really, I don't know. It's, it's he's given them something right. Offensively. That's my one issue with Minnesota. They don't allow a whole lot. They usually get strong goaltending and the defense is great. And last year they were among the leaders and just eliminating high danger chances, quality scoring chances. They're right there again. They don't give up a, a ton, but Zuccarella is really, you know, it's made Kaprizov, you know, he's given them somebody to play with. They both, the chemistry seems to be there. Fiala is a guy that's shooting the puck. The goals are starting to come as well. Do you think, potential upset you know looking back you know i know an abs fan uh a shout out to uh to drew livingstone producer over at uh at sportsnet he's he says like the one team he doesn't want to play ever is minnesota i don't know what it is maybe back in the day when they got upset when they had wah and sackick and it was like minnesota going in there and and upsetting colorado i know you remember those days pete but uh any chance here that minnesota can pull off the upset yeah, I think if it's low scoring, they definitely have the chance. I mean, Minnesota very quietly has a better points percentage this year than St. Louis, who's been uh, a little – it's been a little shocking some of these games that St. Louis is losing to, you know, Coyotes and, you know, some of these uh, wonky games that they've been playing. I know they got shut out the other day. So, yeah, I mean, I think, like, 
the fourth spot in the West right now seems to be like, I still believe in St. Louis. So I think it's either going to go to the wild who are, you know, very seasoned team. They have some veteran savvy and they have some, some young, exciting players. And Zuccarello is a player that you just like, you didn't forget about him, but they kind of have buried him in the bottom six since they yeah. signed him in free agency. We remember what he was with Dallas when he got traded the one year, he was like a playmaker pass first, was racking up assists. He's got seven points in his first four games of the season. So that's no joke. He started the season on a line with Fiala opposite wing. Now he's playing with Kaprizov opposite wing. So like either way, you like a veteran player like that pass first to set up, you know, the electric goal scorers like Kaprizov and Fiala, regardless of who he's playing with. So yeah, for season long fantasy, I've always been a big fan of Zuccarello um, especially once he got out of uh, the Rangers situation where they didn't always have, you know, when he was on the team, they didn't have these electric offensive players, you know, with the high ceiling like Panarin and Zibanejad. So it's pretty much like when he went to Dallas, I was really excited. Then it was a bit of a whimper when he went to Minnesota because they weren't playing him uh, the right way, you could say. But now that they're playing him in the top six, it's very exciting. Again, it's a player that scored around 60 points in a season before and I think uh, still has that glimmer where he could maybe even surpass that level of production, uh, especially over a shortened season, right? I mean, what do you have to lose? Minnesota's for real. They looked really good in the playoffs in defeat. Uh, they were great after the coaching change last year, and they've carried it over to this year. They look like that fourth best team, in my opinion, for the playoff spot so far. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, just the addition of Zuccarella in that top six, like I said, has really given him something. You mentioned seven points have all come in his last three games. He's very affordable. I mean, he had the, I think the two points, the goal and assist the other night and his price actually dropped. And then he had the, the four point night or the three point night rather. So yeah, Zuccarella is, I'm interested. I like it. I think that this is going to be a low scoring game though. So it's, it's a contrarian play. If you're playing multiple lineups in DFS, it's, you know, if you're only playing one or two lineups, you're playing cash. It's, it's probably not to play for you, but in season long leagues, I think Matsu Gorella should be picked up. I think he should be rostered. I don't think he should be hanging around waiver wires one bit. I would, I would grab him. I like that under quite a bit. Hey, Meany. Saint Yo. Knock, knock. What up? Guess who got fired? Who? Your guy. No, no way. Julian got fired. I'm telling you right now that Julian and Kirk got fired. Muller. Yep. As of right now, I, I two weeks in a row we have breaking news on the show. Uh, legitimately, wow. a minute and a half ago. Yeah. Uh, the Canadians have fired their bench boss. Instant reaction from you fellas live on the show. Wow, that's pretty good. Uh, I got to gather my thoughts, Pete. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm I'm just seeing it now. Uh, fired Claude Julian and Muller, and you know that's what you know after going on a hot start to the season and then going what two four and two over their past eight and losing three times I don't care if it's after regulation in the most recent one three times that you lose to the Ottawa Senators that's tough that's tough to stomach when you have high aspirations when you have the depth and the goaltending that you're paying uh, top dollar for with price and and that your depth is so your depth is so strong, maybe the strongest in the entire division, the North. So, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully it gets better goaltending, whoever they bring in. Hopefully the penalty kill improves. Those have been some of the main areas of weakness for Montreal, mm -hmm. which is surprising, right? Like in a Julian system, you wouldn't have expected that. Um, 
turn of events. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty surprising that they made this move. But um, when you look at what has transpired over the past two weeks, it's that is the reasoning for it. No doubt. The, the losses to Ottawa are kind of inexcusable, I think. Yeah, I would agree. And I it's definitely the special teams, right? If you follow this team over the past couple of years, they've been one of the better teams in terms of five on five. They create chances. They own the play. Power play has been an issue now for years and that's supposed to be, you know, Kirk Muller's job. So I get it. I mean, it seemed like there was, you know, in the bubble when Julian was away from this team, that Muller kind of found a way with the team. He made a couple line changes, right? It was Duran. I, I noticed was on the third, fourth line. And then he's, you know, Muller, the first change he made was like, okay, listen, Duran, you're going to play with Suzuki and it worked. And it was a connection that was working and the power play seemed to be going. But again, this year power plays, penalties like nobody's taking more penalties than the Habs I feel like every game this team is like five or six penalties they're always killing penalties I'm still shocked but my big takeaway from this Pete is Mark Bergevin this guy's not messing around like he is he's brought in players he brought in the backup for price he brings in Anderson into Foley those guys are playing well he's there you mentioned the depth and I think expectations are just super high. So I'm, I'm shocked. I am a little shocked. I thought that they would play it out. I know there's been some rumblings about Julian losing his job, but there's always those rumblings. So I just don't want to go back into the whole coaching well of, okay, Julian's had a couple times. Terrian's had a couple times. Like, who's next? Guy Carboneau? Like, I just don't want to see that. I don't, I'd, like, I'd like some new, some new blood in there. But, yeah, that's, um, that's a shocking move. I'm a little taken back by it. All right. Blues. Yeah, team. and... I mean, it's just like it's look at all the moves that Bergevin has made. You were talking about earlier, I think off the air, like, you know, should they have taken Brady Kachuk? Should they yeah. have done this? Please. Should they have? I mean, obviously, like you have to give them an A plus so far for the Josh Anderson thing, even though it seemed like they overspent to get him, overpaid to keep him for so long for the long term at the money. It was just you know, you were wondering about that, but at the same time, they got a good discount on Toffoli and he's been, you know, their best forward so far uh, from a point production standpoint. But you look back at the history, Bergevin, you know, you still have one of the worst trades, like with the Sergachev trade and stuff like that. And it's just kind of like a roller coaster through the years. First, they were looking good. They made the conference final. Then they came down for a few years then, you know, you were wondering, like, is, is this the end of the road for him? But now it's been an uptick again. They were really good in the playoffs last year. Seemed to be trending up in the right direction to start this year. But now it's coming back down once again. So that's, I guess, what you ask yourself, uh, you know, how long is the, the Bergevin tenure going to be? I mean, it's been a question and a debate for many years now. So, you know, now another coach is gone. So it's... Uh, you know, who, who's next? I don't know. We'll, we'll see if they turn it around. It's, yeah, uh, it's the roster that Bergevin built, right? Over right. the course of many, many years, some bad trades, some good trades, some bad signings and good signings. So it's, yeah. uh, they're given, they're certainly given him a long leash to work with, uh, you know, for, to build this whole experiment. And I believe when they fired Terry and I was never a big Terry fan, I, I really wanted him gone, but I believe when they let him go, they were doing well it's just julian became available and then 
you know, they made that switch, which, you know, I totally get it. I, I know Bergman takes a lot of heat and we'll move on here from the Habs in a second, but I've, I've liked a lot of what he, what he's done. I mean, when he made that, that Subban trade, I was taken back. I remember you and I chatted about it. I was taken back, but it, it turns out that that deal may be okay. I mean, it remains to be seen what, how Weber's going to fall off if he is going to fall off towards the, the latter part of his career, getting up there now, I believe he's 36, but the Deneau, like he's good at finding little pieces. Like he traded Weiss and Fleischman for Deneau. Uh, the Suzuki return was decent, right? Pacioretty, there was, you know, everybody knew that Pacioretty wanted out of town and they had to deal him just to get, you know, a pick and, you know, Tatar thrown in there as well. But it does seem like Julian's lost the room a, a little bit. Tatar was, a, was their leading goal scorer last year. He was a healthy scratch against the Leafs just the other day. He's been playing third line, fourth line the other night. He didn't even play the final eight minutes against the Sens. Lekkonen's been in and, out, and in and out of the lineup as well. Paul Byron, who is, you know, where's a letter, you know, where is an A, and he was on waivers last week. So, yeah, it's, I, I guess uh, some changes certainly need, needed to be made and uh, Bergman not messing around, but I agree with you. I do not like that Sergeyev Jaren deal. That one's going to bite him in the butt. Blues and Kings in here next. A couple more games. Quick's been really good. Jonathan Quick, uh, you know, hot and cold this year. He had one game against Minnesota, he allowed five, and then he played Vegas and he allowed four. He got yanked. Uh, and then he's got two shutouts in his past three games. You mentioned the, the shutout the other night against the Blues. They got the Blues again tonight. St. Louis home favorites minus 157, 10, 7, and 2 for St. Louis. The Kings, 8, 6, and 3. One of the surprise teams, I think, LA, they come in uh, having won five straight games. Playing pretty good hockey, not getting a lot of offense, but not giving up a whole lot. This Blues team, they kind of frustrate me. I think they should be a little bit better. I know they're missing a couple guys up front. No Tarasenko all year. It, you know, it helps maybe adjusting, you know, for Petrangelo not on the blue line. You know, I, I sometimes when I watch them play. I just, I feel like they're a, very underwhelming. Uh, but I still like them from an offensive standpoint, like from a DFS standpoint, like Hoffman has been cheap for a while. And it's nice connection there with Shen and Piranis, you know, putting pucks in net as well. What do you make of this contest? I think maybe potentially low scoring. Yeah. So the blues, I mean, the goal, the scoring comes most nights from David Perron, right? The guy has mm-hmm. been, he, what the expectations were for David Perron when he came back again and then to the blues and then like, what he's done the past year and a half without Tarasenko has been, he's been like an elite point producer. So you got to give him a ton of credit, um, keeping it going here, even though, you know, I know on the other line, like Jaden Schwartz has been banged up and out. So that's an injury storyline to keep tabs on for fantasy for sure. Uh, Tarasenko has been skating, still no word on when he could come back. But unlike with Kucherov, where we know it's not in the foreseeable future, you know that Tarasenko will eventually come back into this mix this season, you hope. So um, how will that affect Perron is a question for another day. But yeah, to, to mention what you were saying, Chris, like they've lost games to the Coyotes. They've lost games to the Kings in bad fashion. They've lost twice to the Sharks. And there was another game um, the other day that they because they played two with the Sharks and they shouldn't have won the one game. They the Sharks blew it in the final minute. And That's then, right. I mean, they, they are resilient, though, like they're a team to watch during a game. Like I know the other game after they, you know, the Sharks blew that game. Then the Sharks led the other game, what, three nothing and four one and the Blues came back and tied it. So the Blues have some scoring flair uh, that shouldn't go unnoticed. Um, Kairu is another guy that's been oh, a great yeah. 
story for them so far this year. And, and Justin Falk as well. If, you know, if you're in a multi-category league for fantasy, he's been, you, there's not, there are not many other guys that have been more valuable than Justin Falk. And that's been a complete shocker. Uh, you know, just judging by where his career went the past couple of years, he was totally irrelevant. So that's been a good storyline for them. For the Kings though, like I'm, I'm getting to be so confident in their goaltending, whether it's been quick, uh, you know, with his recent shutouts and he's up to 903 on the season. And then Cal Peterson, like whenever Cal Peterson starts, uh, you know, you're getting efficiency. I was looking, Cal Peterson is tied for sixth um, as of the other day. I think it was as of Monday or Tuesday, tied for sixth in the entire NHL in save percentage over the past two seasons combined, minimum like 15 starts. So yeah, Cal Peterson's the real deal. That's like another guy. Like if you're a Bobrovsky owner or, right. or if you you don't have Dreger, like you cut the cord and try to get a piece of these Kings guys because they have a very sneaky good tandem in L.A. right now. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. And we've been talking a lot about that on this show, too. And I'm sure you have as well on on your podcast is just it's it's weird times out there and you got to get the goalie starts, you know, with games postponed. It's tough to sometimes to get these starts. And with teams going back and forth, right, with with their backups and splitting games, I think you need to carry three goalies, maybe even four. I don't want to get too crazy with four, but it's possible. Uh, and he's definitely one that's available on the wire that could that could really help you out. Yeah, the Blues have lost five of seven. I think the under is the play here because um, the Kings don't score a whole lot of goals themselves. But I, I follow has been he's been real nice. He is what I write down here, 19 to one first goal. Maybe take a shot there or take a shot on his shot prop. One more game here to talk about, and we'll get you out of here, Pete. We got Anaheim and Arizona Coyotes. As you mentioned, they took the the seven-game series against the Blues not too long ago, four games to three. They are home favorites here, minus 150. The Ducks, finally, right? They called up Zegras, and they started scoring goals. Now, really, he didn't have anything to do with it. He was on the ice for one, I believe. But uh, he played 13 minutes in his debut. He put two pucks on net. He's been one of the most added players over the past 24 hours. His ownership is up at 24% in Yahoo leagues. Ducks plus 130. They still got a lot of work to do offensively, Pete. I don't know if I'm there yet to to really ever put my money down on Anaheim. But I could potentially lean with the under here, despite there being actually quite a few goals. It was a 4-3 Arizona win. But Anaheim blew that game. They're up 3 nothing, Pete. Yeah, I actually liked Anaheim going into that game for the for the Zegras bump and, you know, maybe to give uh, Gibson a little bit of a spark. But of course, it fell apart on them. You were looking um, good early. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kemper Kemper's a very safe option against the especially against the team that has virtually no offense. The Zegras factor would be the only thing I'd be worried about if I was uh, drafting Kemper in DFS. Kemper is actually over the past three seasons combined best save percentage in the NHL uh, for any goalie that's played in each of the past three seasons. So he's tied with Kadobin atop that list. Um, that obviously excludes, you know, Dreger who didn't play three years ago and Chesterkin who didn't play three years ago and Bishop who hasn't played yet this year, but it's still noteworthy how good Kemper has been consistent, whether he's had offensive support or not. Um, even in the playoffs last year, he was standing on his head for a while. So, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a goalie duel for sure. I think uh, low scoring is probably the way it's going to go. 
I would expect Zegers to get on the board here tonight uh, after the first, like, think about it. It's like uh, he got his feet wet. Now he's playing the same team again. And that same team is not, a, you know, they're a solid playoff competitive level team, but they're not a juggernaut by any stretch. So I, w- I do like the idea and the prospect of Zegers getting on the board here for Anaheim, regardless of lineup placement. But I would lean Kemper and the Coyotes to get the win. Uh, they are also in that mix with LA and Minnesota for the fourth playoff spot. And they took care of business against the Blues. I mean, over that long series, you got to give them credit for that. Those are the series and the extra points that are going to be up for grabs that come the end of the year, you know, Arizona might have a little edge based on that. Yeah, you're right about that. Ed Garland is a guy we've been talking about, you know, in the two and a half shot props. Um, you know, I, I don't mind going back to him if you're looking for some action. He's been under that in three of the past four. Uh, he's he's not my favorite on the board. Pete, always a pleasure, man. Um, good stuff. Why don't you plug the podcast again? And is has Zegers been... I think people should take shots on him in redraft leagues. Like he is super good and it's, I think he's here to stay. And I, I think the minutes are going to increase. Like I don't see him playing 11, 13. I see him getting flirting with the 16, 17 minute mark. I've been telling people who have asked, go for it. Why not? I mean, the upside seems to be there. Yeah. I like him for sure. I, I think he's got the confidence to breathe some life into that offense instantly becomes the only fantasy skater from the ducks that I'm (laughs) looking at at all. I mean, they only had one player in our top 200 rankings uh, for all three positions. uh, And that was was Gibson. Gibson? Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) I mean, he's on my radar for sure. I added him in one uh, keeper league. I missed out on him in the other keeper league. Be aware. I mean, like he was a hot commodity, but if he doesn't have a point in his first two games, it's a short season. People might cut the cord. uh, People might get impatient. So, yeah. And just what he did in the AHL, what he did in the World Juniors. I mean, he's a he's a legendary prospect for sure. So it's and they don't come around too often uh, just floating out there on the waiver wire. So, yeah, I'm big on adding him not only in a keeper league, but also to get some sneaky value for Anaheim rest of season. And like nobody's going to be taking away his minutes on that exactly. team. Like if he performs well, he could get up to the top line in a jiffy and, you know, start playing power play one and stuff like that. So, and maybe, uh, you know, emerge from, uh, you know, the weak offense in Anaheim and get that franchise on the right direction here. So, yeah. And again, fantasy on ice, uh, check it out. Apple podcast. Audio Boom, um, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We're on YouTube as well. So check that out. Um, episodes drop three times a week. And uh, great to be on with you, Chris. Hope to talk to you again soon. Yes, absolutely. Best, you got some. Uh, I don't know how uh, Monday went. I feel like just so so. Yeah, Monday was uh, very okay. You went three for eight. Uh, three Toronto, for eight. Yeah, Toronto Money. You gave out a lot. I know. I did uh, you, were, you were like, I like this, this, and this. Monday. And then you waited. You're like, and this, and this, and this. And you're like, I wasn't <laughs> going to give this out, but here we go. Uh, Toronto <laughs> money line, you missed. Islanders money line, mini money line, you hit. St. Louis, you missed. Carolina, you missed. Colorado, you missed. Uh, Dallas, Florida, Jeez. over, you missed. Islanders, Sabres, under, you hit. But I mean, oh, I'll give you partial marks of the Toronto one because we both immediately jumped ship right after the show. I mean, it was like 20 minutes after the show when Toronto was like, guess what? Everyone's not playing. Yeah, hit us with your uh, with some picks tonight. 
Staying clear of that Toronto-Calgary one for those same reasons. I like Florida tonight, Philadelphia, Arizona. Those are the three like money line teams uh, for the parlay. I like the under in Minnesota-Colorado. I like the under in St. Louis and L.A. I will go back to that Carolina-Tampa game. Why not? Uh, I think what we said the other day was just like maybe stay away from it, put the feet up, hands behind the head, and watch some great hockey. You could still do that, but I think there's going to be some goals. Pete talked me into some goals there. I blame it on Pete if I lose. Over six, Carolina and Tampa. Some of the shot props that I like, Hornquist I mentioned. If you can find Hamilton two and a half, some some books allow it. To, they have it two and a half. He's had um, three plus in you know, six straight games, I believe. Matthew Kachuk over two and a half, uh, 19 shots in three games against Toronto. Ranton, I'll go back to two and a half. Fiala, two and a half. Hoffman, two and a half. Some first goals. Trocheck 15 to 1, Arnachis 20 to 1, Hornquist 12 to 1, Kachuk 13 to 1, Faraby 13 to 1, our boy Matt Zuccarella 20 to 1, plus 375 for any time goal. I, I follow 19 to 1 in there too. But the picks, guys Florida, Philly, Arizona, under in St. Louis, under in Colorado, and over in Tampa. Check out Pete Jensen. Always a pleasure. Guy is an absolute stud. Make sure you listen to the podcast, you will learn a lot about hockey and fantasy hockey. And even if you don't play a ton of fantasy hockey, you'll get a lot of enjoyment out of it as well. Good luck tonight on the ice. I'm Chris Meany. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers.